the Plotcast podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by the Green Deco, making your garden beautiful. Hello and welcome back to the Potty Plotters Plotcast podcast. I always worry that I can't even get that far. Anyway, this is episode 37 and I'm still Elaine. And I'm Julia. How is it that people actually do contact us, Julia? Because normally we scuttle through this little bit. So if you can remember, you remind them. Okay, it's Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Potty Plotters. TikTok at The Potty Plotters. Email us naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk or check out our website pottyplotters.uk. You see, I think, we, I think we've been doing this long enough now that we should have an automated response there, that we should have a huge round of applause or a marching band or something. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, don't curtsy, Julie. Nobody can see you. Anyway, moving on. What have we been up to this week, Len? Well, autumn packed is what I would now say. Oh. So we've been to more WI groups and caused havoc up and down the county. That's been interesting. Yes, you're going to have to stop throwing things at people and taking that <laughs> stick out with us. It seems to work. It makes people listen and that's important. OK, and we've also been talking to a chap about biochar. Interesting, yes, interesting. I didn't make notes, but um, evidently we're going to be doing a little bit of an experiment in the very near future. And also, uh, we've been working on that community allotment plot again, and we've been out to see a woodman, a muckman, and a scrap man, scrap man, and the uh, soil man. Yeah. Yeah, they're all men. Like, no, 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 no. That was enough, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, we've yeah. been out and we've made, we've negotiated with people, haven't we? Uh, no, we've made them give us things. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is that just a posh word for made them do it? Well, yeah. I okay. will take you in as that threatening presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But we are making progress on the community plot, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I went all my length again. And actually, it is quite a length, yes. Yes, yet again, I went all my length. If anybody was standing anywhere near me, they would have got squashed. But I sort of, you know, when you fall over and you don't want to make yourself look stupid, you sort of brush yourself down very quickly, don't you? You say, no, 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 I'm fine. You want to run round the corner and ball your head yeah. off because you're hurt everywhere. Yeah, especially yeah. after you tell everyone I'm the clumsy one and then you're <laughs> the one who falls over twice in a week. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. Do you remember, actually, it was in April and we were talking to the Ecocentrics? I do remember, yes, yeah. I think we were all so excited because it was all over that Zoomy thing and it was one of our first Zoomy things Yeah, and we could actually see and hear them. Yeah, and now we can see and hear them. In real life. Yeah, here's PK and Tom from the Ecocentrics. Welcome to our allotments. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, do you mean that, Tom? Uh, I, I don't want to comment on that, really. Thank you very much. It's not a police interview. It's OK. Let's it's just okay. say it's been an education for Tom's gentle young ears. Oh, really? Yeah, so far. And that was all off air, don't forget. And we, we almost got attacked by the local bowls club after going into the wrong private car park. Oh. So, uh, it's been a journey together. <laughs> You're safe now. Well, 
Well, you've only just sort of uh, met us and we gathered you off the car park, literally, and uh, had a little wander around and we've just come through the back passage. It is a place. And through the back passage from my plot over to Julia's plot. So we haven't really had time to explore all of our green and greenery, but your impressions... I'm astounded, a bit jealous. I am, uh, you know, going on effusively about the compost toilets, which will be a disappointment to my husband because he'll know that he's got some work to do. But I, I just think it's amazing what you guys have accomplished here. And I brought a bra that uh, we could garden in, hopefully, and we think we might just be able to get a radish in each cup. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, so we'll see. A garnish. <laughs> A garnish cup. A it's garnish garnish <laughs> cup. That's for your listeners. Just come, have you brought any underwear with you? Oh, like to show? Off later. <laughs> We've planted pants before. Oh yes. Oh, yes. oh, oh gosh. Yeah, that was one of the funniest things yeah. we ever did. She was yeah. so excited. She was like, "Oh, the Marks and Spencers. They've got plenty of stretch." <laughs> well, all I can say is, once we'd put a whole bag of compost in, they certainly can stretch. But we were only planting one tomato plant, so we didn't need that much compost. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what you can get in your underwear? Anyway, moving on. So, <laughs> so here we are. This is our beer garden, actually. And we wanted, um, and we're really pleased that you were able to spare us the time. We wanted to talk to you about allotments generally, because a lot of people envisage that when we say the word allotment, they, they think about rectangles, they think about mud, they think about wellies. But actually, that's not what we're about. What is your impression then of what you've seen so far? I've got a confession to make here. Oh my yeah. word! This is the first allotment I've ever been onto. No, oh, I Tom, know. I don't think you're British. Yeah. No. It's dramatic music there. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Dun dun dun. Um, didn't uh, you even have a grandparent <laughs> with an allotment? <laughs> Were you unloved? <laughs> well, th- there's one by my house, and I'm daunted by by how regular it is, and all oh. of the shapes and patterns, and how manicured it is. And it's very uh. different here. Um, uh, and what are you yeah. saying? We're scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> Backhanded insult. Backhanded insult. Yeah, the British are excellent at that. Yeah. yeah, you don't. When you're on a train, you don't look out the train window. It probably doesn't actually yeah. like us. And look out the train window and look at all the beautiful allotment sites as you're travelling along. You've never picked them out then. Oh, no. Not good enough. No. Well, I guess what's fair to say is that Elaine and Julia are Tom's first. Oh, wow. An allotment virgin. An allotment virgin. Right. Wow. It's quite amazing. Look, you can see them glowing already. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's lovely. Shall we make a plaque? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay, we'll get that done afterwards. So, when it is that we talk about allotments, you see, we haven't got any electricity here. We haven't got any running water. So, when you look at all of this this is what we do we gather our own water we are your ecocentrics because we are quite bonkers as you know and um, but we are eco 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 you say yeah i mean how green are allotments well, I, th- I think the folks you've got here are living and breathing the world that Pika and I want to see in the future. We walk through here and the first thing I've seen is just bees flying around, all, all this life in the area. And you walk through other places and it's just grass, desolate, lifeless, and you can see everything thriving around here. Yeah, things are 
uh, uh, thriving, I think, is a perfect word. And I love seeing that you've got the water harvesters off of every available surface that can catch water so that you don't have to, you know, be using city or tap water, which yeah. we think is more eco-friendly. And it hasn't been treated as well, so it's actually rainwater with more of the nutrients. And everything's just just overgrowing each other but still in a way that you feel like you can be part of it without being overwhelmed and I think it's just glorious I mean it's absolutely beautiful out here you guys are oh uh, you know hey it's a wonder you guys should get your own show yeah. <laughs> we have it's called a podcast <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing here <laughs> so if it was that you could change the world of allotments what would you think to tell other allotmenteers mm. that they should be doing well, I think it's interesting because the people that I know that have allotments always use loads of chemicals. And really? chemical-heavy allotments, something that I, uh, the people that I speak to that have them, they're just chucking them on there because they want the biggest tomatoes. They don't want stuff eating them. But actually, you look around here and you see things thriving already. You can see we've walked past loads of chilies, loads of tomatoes, loads of beans, and the asparagus already. And I presume there's not not those nasties going in the stack ground here. Now we use mork. Mork. Horse mork. Is horse mork good? Are we are we being environmentally friendly using the horse mork? Because it's got to go somewhere. Uh, and it's better than uh, when I stood in some yesterday walking down the streets of Congleton. So, oh. yes, yeah, so oh, it's it on the street, <laughs> and it could be working for the for working to grow food. I think you're doing okay. Oh, yeah, and it, you know it's it's available. It's you know. How do you guys use your composting from your human waste? Uh, from the human waste that comes from the toilets, that is only used around either the fruit trees or the flowers on site. We don't use it for any um, of the food stuff. I'll that, keep yeah. that in mind. Yes, yeah. yeah. I don't think we're allowed to, but no. I mean, yeah. countries do, don't they? Countries do use human or human yaw? Human yaw. Have you met that? <laughs> That's the word, isn't it, Tom? I'm looking at Tommy's going to tell me. Um, Human manure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, go for it. There's all sorts of tech going on around it at the moment. And, like, I saw one the other day of a a canal boat which had a, a... human waste composter but rather than composting it they just burnt it all uh, and it just seemed like so much energy going into it when you got the poop here pop it straight on the ground ah now our other toilet on site we've suddenly moved on to toilets here but our other toilet on site it's got like solar power and it's got wind a wind turbine so actually the poop turns into like, almost like desiccated coconutty stuff well, could we use that on anything? Not cake. No. <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, is it bad because it's been burnt down? It's for easy disposal. So what are we... You'll well, be... is it like charred? Is it a bit like charred? Because I think you could use it, sort of like you use coffee grounds. But I'd, oh. I'd have to look at the night. I'd have to look at the chemical composition. What do you think, Tom? And no matter what, you're going to kind of be boiling down the nutrients of what we've had. Oh, and okay. there'll be bits in there which are definitely good oh. for life around us. But I can tell you from diets, you'd rather have my poo than Tom's. Oh. And I think he'd back me up. Is that because yeah. you're back a vegetarian? <laughs> it's the, the takeaway pizza I got last night. Oh, He's definitely not going to be okay. doing wonders for this ground, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that happy note, let's take you around the site. Contact the Potty Plotters anytime on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Potty Plotters or email naughtycorner at pottyplotters.uk. Right then, Julia, mention the C word yet again, the Christmas challenge. Yes. How are you doing with it? Well, not much has changed since last week. So the potatoes are coming up through the through the uh, top of the compost and they're looking nice and healthy. Uh, my carrots, well, 
obviously they're through and growing and looking. You said that with a smile on your face, like, look at my carrots. (laughs) I'm only saying that because I'm not seeing yours. Have you planted them? If I have, you haven't seen them. No, that's for a reason, Julia. It's because you're not through yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, I've planted enough for two of us. So, um, (laughs) and we know that the sprouts are doing very well. Yes. And uh, we are going to show PK and Tom this later on, but I have got some magnificent uh, broccoli heads growing. And once I've cut the tops of them off, then I'll have some side shoots. So they'll be ready for Christmas. That's lovely. And what about you? Oh, parsnips. They're, they're still in the ground, but you told me to leave them. Leave them, yeah, because we need some frost on them and then that will oh. uh, get the sugars to rise and yeah. they taste completely different then. They taste really yummy, so keep those. But also, what about uh, flower arrangements for the table? Uh, well, you, well, we've taken over the tangerinery, which is now the dryery, yeah. and we've created lots of um, seed heads that we've dried out. So are we going to be doing our edible wreath again? Definitely, yes. Edible wreaths are a thing, and they are firmly and squarely, I think, down for us around the end of November, okay. because they last for months and months. PK and um, Tom Lookat has gone out because they don't know what on earth we're going on no, about. No. But then so many people don't <laughs> anyway, so join the club. Right, okay then. So that's the Christmas challenge. Lots to go at, and uh, we've still got a future. How are you going to make gravy? I don't like gravy. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by the Green Deco. It's that time of year where lots of people are saying that uh, they've got loads of green tomatoes, maybe because they didn't plant them early enough, but what are they going to do with them? We're not talking about green tomato chutney. It's now about how we bring them forward and get them turning red. So, first of all, I would make sure that whoever's got green tomatoes have taken off the growing tip because that's really important. Focus all the energy down the plant. Next, Make sure that all the foliage, all the leaves around the tomatoes that need to be ripened is removed so that they can get the maximum exposure to the sunlight. And then also cut back on the watering. And that's really important because although they might look dry and actually some of the leaves will turn brown, it's okay. The main thing is that you've got to start to starve really your tomatoes of any water because then they worry. I think they've got little brains inside their their (laughs) tomato-ness. And and they're not alive, you know. Mine are alive, Julia. (laughs) And they've got emotions. They've got emotions so they're worrying. right? Yeah, they're worrying so then they turn to go red because then they get all embarrassed and everything. (laughs) And um, and then you can eat them and then they're red right, so okay. there you go and now, I've been saving my bananas still <laughs> what's that got to do with anything <laughs> for the tomatoes because we know that the, the, um, the banana um, I was going to say banana cover <laughs> the banana <laughs> the skin julia <laughs> the banana skin we know that if we throw that in with the tomatoes it helps ripen them and what causes that then it's some kind of gas that comes off the banana ethylene ethylene something like Thing. that Eat. yeah it makes them <laughs> it makes them ripen so that's why you don't put your bananas in your fruit bowl because it makes all your other fruit ripen too quickly so eat more bananas keep the skins and yeah. chuck them under the plant yeah. yeah not bad advice now elena i also notice on the uh, plan that we've got here that you wanted to talk about your red robin you've never shut up about them have you so <laughs> come on what's going on with those red robin I'm tomatoes i'm so happy it's one of those things i just think that it should be written somewhere well it's written here 
here, I suppose. So <laughs> we'll just talk about it here then. Yeah. So I planted uh, red robin tomatoes. They are a small plant and they don't need any support whatsoever and they are very compact. They're a dwarf tomato plant. They grow generally around uh, nine inches in height and they need a pot round about probably equidistance nine inches eight to nine inches and then what I did was about three weeks ago I cut all mine down because I'd had loads and loads of red cherry tomatoes off them and uh, they'd finished in effect so I thought right okay cut them all down to around an inch of a stalk left thinking I was going to compost them later and dry them out and then Dun, 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 dun. I saw that was a music that was my bit yeah. I put in I'm glad you've and not I got saw... that recorder again <laughs> I've put my recorder to one side I'm going to save that for a finale one day okay. and um, what happened was they started to grow again Okay. so started to water them and then over the past three weeks not only have they flowered I've actually got more fruit are you going to leave them in again. the greenhouse Elaine or are you going to take them home because what if we get a frost down here won't it kill them We'll see what happens, Julia. Well, no, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking you want your second crop. We know these can be grown on a windowsill. In fact, they are the tomato for the non-tomato grower, aren't they? Because they are so easy. You can put them on your windowsill. So I would recommend you take them home in a couple of weeks. Just a top tip then. Top tip from Julia. (laughs) Thank you very much. Top-notch advice. No Latin included. The Potty Plotters Podcast. Julia, for the second time um, in successive years, we've actually done something different with our chillies. Yes, so we've been drying the chillies on the plant um, because... Well, let's face it, last year we did it by accident because we ran out of time to... I think that's an experiment. An experiment. We did it as an experiment and we were busy at times when we really needed to water them and there was so much water in last summer, wasn't it, so hot that the chilies got neglected and so they just dried themselves on the plant. So that actually saved us, taking them home and putting them in the dehydrator or anything. So, and it worked really well and because we use a lot of the chilies when we do the edible wreaths, then that's what we've done done again this year and it's worked i've actually picked one off today because i wanted it for something that i'm going to be doing in a little while but i think that's a brilliant idea it saves all the faff and of course coming back to it you're not using any electrics no. nothing you don't have to dry them out they don't go moldy they just dry literally and go all wrinkly on the plant yeah so there's one for a lazy gardener just stop watering This episode of the podcast is being brought to you by the Green Deco, suppliers of plants and shrubs to the trade and the public at unbelievable prices. Find them by searching online for the Green Deco and they're also linked from our social media. Don't forget that if you'd like to sponsor us, get in touch with us. Naughty Corner at pottyplotters.uk The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters. So we've moved from the beer garden and I've got PK and Tom with me while Elaine's cooking in the background and uh, we're going to have a quick tour of the plots. Now I just want to show you our flower area. Elaine and I absolutely love flowers and it is very ordered and, and manicured in some respects and I think a lot of people who are we're very conscious of wildlife and I think a lot of it is presented we've got to go wild now and I think a lot of gardeners are a little bit resistant about that so are we right to do this? Because everything that we buy and plant is meant to be wildlife friendly. So I think the most important thing is that you grow 
you're just excited to grow. So whether you like something more manicured or you like something more wild, you could do either or you could do something in between, which is a bit what you've done here, which is really, really beautiful. And it looks like you can see the pollinators and what other wildlife do you get here? We get pretty much everything. We've got little hedgehogs that walk through. We've got um, hoverflies, bees, wasps. We like to give our flowers away as well because we think it makes people happy. Well, I am all for that. How about you, Tom? Yeah, very nice to see all the flowers here. And I think if we look as well over things that have happened before, really the the, uh, the UK landscape isn't natural. And if we just leave things to go, well, there's all sorts of invasive species which take over. Yeah. And actually this management process is an important part of it to make sure we keep the good things in and yeah. take some of the bad things out. Because otherwise, a few things just go wild. Yes, yeah. And I mean, in terms of growing our flowers as well, we're conscious. Again, we like to take flowers home. We like to give them away. But we're conscious that is it something like 80% of flowers in the UK bought flowers come from abroad. So it's kind of, you know, we're doing something for the planet, aren't we? Most of the flowers we buy in shops come from energy intensive farms right. where they're indoors, they're pumped full of, um, well, pumped full of heat, using lots of processes, lots of fossil fuels. Reality is your stuff out here is just out in the wild. Yes. No inputs here. There's, there's no electricity being used to keep this stuff on. So. No, no, it is seasonal. It's all seasonal. Now, the next thing I was a bit concerned about, I thought, oh, you might kind of, oh, I don't know what you'd do to me, but I'm using a plastic polytunnel here. Now this, I was saying to PK earlier, has got the cover has got a lifespan of seven to 10 years. So is that a good thing? Because I can grow in this a lot longer than outside. I actually think it's a great thing. And we, we talk about plastic. It's not that plastic is necessarily the enemy. It's the, the fact that we use it so much and just throw it away and we can't recycle everything we throw away. But using something like this that lasts, like you said, many, many years and it's helping you to grow food, that's a much more responsible way to do it. And of course, it does lengthen the food growing season, which means you're getting food at, the, at, at a right peakness. It's not having to in, be imported. So I think it's an excellent way. What about you, Tom? Definitely. And I think it comes down to that we talk about all the time we boil down complex questions into yes or no answers and actually there's a good balance to be made here and you can repair this easy job done without having to get something whole new put together absolutely it is something that i do use year round so as things are coming out we're now looking at replacing them with other things so i love my polytunnel once you've had a polytunnel you never go back i am jealous and i <laughs> i can already see jobs for my husband uh next year and so what what we're looking at for our viewers to know we've got these gorgeous tomatoes growing still um the last of them i think you said you've got your peppers coming in and you've got interspersed marigolds as well and why is that the Marigold is a companion plant, so will actually deter the white fly. So it's a great thing to have in here. And of course, we save the seeds at the end of the year, so they're all going over. And then we just uh, spread them around and share them with our friends. So, but it also looks very jolly, doesn't it? While I've got you in here, I just want you to note that this side is no dig and this side is dig. So we do do experiments on the plot. And for the last couple of years, I've been uh, growing no dig outside and dig on one side and we've also followed it in the polytunnel so um do you know anything about no dig gardening i do it's exciting and you can trap loads of carbon in the ground by doing no dig right and i think when we start to think about the the, the environmental impact of the things that we're doing and obviously a lot of agricultural practice nowadays they get most of our food is just intensive or ripping up soil and then there's so much carbon that goes into the atmosphere as a result of it no dig is an exciting way to see how things are going it really is and and there's a lot of kind of progress in that and we were talking to um 
a lovely guy from an allotment site in Bath who who is now they're starting the first no dig allotment sites that are now spreading throughout the country and I think it is the way forward because it does save a lot of work. thing to note is that I've never had a lesser crop in the no dig but I've also had less weeds. Now the big thing about the uh, no dig obviously composting that is the big thing about no dig is the fact that you need loads of compost so as you can see I've got composters and I've been trialing different ones and I think that's important that people try something that suits them because the Dalek ones I've not found them suit me as much and they are actually uh, better for the environment as well in terms of the amount of carbon emissions that come from them what one of these ones yeah so when you have normal compost because yeah. you're taking the oxygen out of the environment methane is released and methane right. is a really really potent greenhouse gas so that one because you'll be spinning it, you'll yeah. be moving the oxygen around and re-oxygenating the, the compost that's in there, enabling it to break down into carbon dioxide, which is much less potent, potent as a greenhouse gas. TK and I spend an awful lot of time thinking about climate change and the impacts of climate change. Yeah. Have you seen anything here on the allotment? Can you notice the world changing being here year on year on year? We've definitely noticed that there are longer, drier periods and also when the rains come, they do come and we have it for a more prolonged period. We have flooding issues anyway on this site and um, although it sometimes benefits us because obviously if you've got a high water table it can be a benefit, sometimes it does mean that we can't get on the plots until much later in the year. And how do you prepare for that? How do you think about it in the future? It's about thinking around the problems. So in terms of planting where you know that you've got a particular area that floods or we've got, you know, it is going to flood, I wouldn't necessarily be planting any winter crops in that area. So work around the problem. Anything that I know is going to be water intensive, then, I, uh, you know, in terms of a thirsty plant, I will plant there in a wet area that I know is going to be wet. Obviously, we're saving a lot more water if we can save water. Um, so yeah, it's just thinking about it. And we're also building upwards. So we're doing a lot more raised beds on site because, and also that actually means that the ground is warmer. So you can plant a little bit earlier as well. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by The Green Deco. Well, good of you to come back, Julia, because I've been busy cooking while you've been talking and walking round. Have you finished? Uh, I've actually just got a mouthful of cucumber, but I've got rid of that now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I have finished. And what I've done is um, I've used the vegetables off the plot. So I've used onions, potatoes, chard, um, which people think is sometimes rhubarb. It's really not. And uh, then I've added uh, chilies and your red peppers, oh, yes, actually. Yeah. And then I've added cumin seeds, turmeric, uh, sugar salt and a little tiny bit of... Gram flour? Yeah, well, it isn't a little tiny bit, really. No. It was about, well, I don't know, because I was going to say in grams, and you know, I yeah, can't do that. No. So it's a couple of handfuls. <laughs> That's what I've done. And then, is that uh, your handful or my handful? Mine, okay. not yours. Yeah. So that is quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And then what you do is you mix it all round and leave it, and something magical happens because then the moisture is drawn out and it makes this batter stuff and then all you have to do is uh, fry it and that's what i've done while you've been just walking and talking oh, hmm. i've right. added no dahlias no well good good okay right okay well, okay I think, then, so. I, I think you're going to talk about that now aren't you well, i have just talked oh. about it julia if you can just stay with us that's okay so over to you tom and pk and i've actually sliced up some uh, beefsteak tomatoes and cucumber can i say the cucumber is delicious julia thank you very much mm, indeed 
I can concur. Those I was tasting those cucumbers, and I thought these are some of the best tasting cucumbers I've ever had. Oh, have you paid them? No, not And Ooh. I'm going to comment on these amazing. We call them fritters in the United States, uh-huh. but these deep fried, gorgeous garden fresh vegetables are glorious. And I mean, they should. They're and if you could see them, they're so beautiful. They should be on Waitrose front cover next month. Oh, oh if you could write to them, PK, please. Yeah. Yes. Hashtag Waitrose front cover. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I was a bit anxious when I, when I was being told there was food on the way after just seeing mountains of chilies, thinking you were going to sit us down and we have to do a chili challenge. But I've been pleasantly surprised <laughs> by some absolutely amazing pakoras. Can we just ask how many food miles have we, uh, we used doing the cooking today? If you combine it, it's at least a quarter of a mile, I think, oh. of the, the footsteps that have come around this, this allotment here. So... So Aww. low mileage, low carbon footprint for the uh, the distance this food had to come. Very low carbon in terms of how it was grown. And really, really high peak of nutrition because you're picking them right when they're ripe, right off the vine. So I think this is the best you could do in terms of mileage and nutrient density. Oh, brilliant. And not a bad flavor either. A Potty Plotters podcast with simple recipes for gluts and guts. Thanks again to The Green Deco for sponsoring this episode and don't forget to get in touch if you've got any questions or simply want to let us know how you're going on with growing your own fruit, flowers or veg. Send us a photo. We love looking at those photos, don't we? Remember, be careful with that title again. We don't want another big one. But thank you too for PK and for Tom, the Ecocentrics, for your time and your advice and amazingly we will listen and see if it is that we can make some changes on our plots yes we might actually just convert them don't well. you think it's easier <laughs> they'll have greenhouses by the end of next year yeah Let's they have will a bet. yeah yes. I- i'm sure of it i think it's a much better idea anyway we're going to give them some flowers yes and we've got flowers for other people as well for something that we're going to be doing in the city centre yeah. for Macmillan and also for Treetops, which is a great cause because it's Macmillan Coffee Morning this next week. So yes. why not do something different and give flowers away to people? Did I tell you that you can eat dahlias? Yes, I ate them. Remember, I'm still alive, so then they are edible. Well, thinking about it, I wonder if that's why they call them dinner plate dahlias. The Plotcast Podcast with the Potty Plotters, sponsored by The Green Deco, is an Amberland Media production.